What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Greg Swatak here with you. And on this week's episode, we will talk to uh, Chris Krivos, uh, back on the coaching scene in Frederick County after uh, a 13-year absence. Uh, Ten of those years were spent uh, starting the uh, Oakdale Athletic Program from scratch. Uh, He was the Bears' first AD. Uh, but, but this season, uh, he's back on the bench uh, for the Middletown girls, uh, ha- have, having a fine season. Uh, just clinched the NBA, or the Central Maryland Conference uh, Piedmont uh, division, I believe. And uh, they'll, they'll play in the, uh, the uh, small school championship game, likely against uh, Catoctin. Um, so we'll talk to Chris about all that and just why, why he decided to come back and, and why Middletown. Or, um, <clears throat> what, 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 what were the motivations uh, there? So... I uh, look forward to chatting with Chris in just a couple of minutes, uh, but, but John Cannon and Alexander Dacey, my colleagues here at the FMP, join me now. And uh, John, were you, were you surprised to see uh, Chris uh, back on the scene? A little, although, I mean, he, he was just always like, like gung-ho about basketball. Maybe he's gung-ho about basketball as any coach I've ever dealt with. So in that respect, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he had been away for a while, but he still got it. Right? Yeah, really, I, mean, I mean, he seemed to, he seemed to have – he's – Already seemed to have made a difference for the Middletown girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, he uh, and I, and I, I think he's starting to build up their feeder programs too, or he's he's reestablished the connection. So he obviously knows what he's doing. And in and, and, mm-hmm. and Middletown, uh, I believe thirteen and or fourteen and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they're, so they're having a good season, and uh, and uh, he, he's they have they have a great player in uh, Talia Jenkins, but but to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, know-how on the bench uh, that, that that makes a big difference. And most well. of their losses have come to the Titans, like you know, like Linganore and um, you know what Oakdale o- o- and Oakdale, Oakdale this and week, people yeah. talked about and Catoctin yeah. and teams like that. So I mean, they're you know they they're all losses. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame right. in them. Uh, we typically start the discussion with uh, basketball, but we sort of hit championship week here, uh, fellows, uh, for the first time during this winter season. Uh, wrestling dual championships, uh, Middletown and Ligonor, uh, uh, repeat as a uh, dual champions for Middletown. I believe it's the third in a row, uh, Ligonor, uh, two in a row. Uh, they will compete, uh, Saturday at, uh, North Point High School. Uh, Ligonor will face Bel Air in the 3A semifinal, uh, trying to repeat its, uh, state, uh, 3A championship last year. Middletown, I believe, has Harford Tech in the uh, in the 1A. Middletown is now a 1A school, um, so they'll face uh, Harford Tech in the 1A final, and uh, the winner will likely face South Carroll, the, the the two-time reigning champs, in the championship match. So that's going on this week in Waldorf, and Alexander. We had the diving championships this week. You were there, and we had a couple of repeat winners there. Yeah, Middletown, Charlotte Claney's three for three, and Urbana's Gabe Silver is two for two. So not a not a not a huge shock given given their scores last year and you know what their scores had been this season. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we I know we were John and I uh, after we got back from his game tonight, we were talking. He was sort of looking back because. I asked Charlotte, you know, like if she was going to try to make it four for four next year. And she said, she said, she said, yeah. And we were looking, we couldn't, at least in the modern records, we couldn't find anyone who'd gone four in a row right. uh, for di- for diving boys or girls. So I'm not saying it's never been done, but yeah. it's really rare. I couldn't, off the top of my head, I couldn't think of anybody. And when I started, we did a really quick search, mm-hmm. like going back to the, you know, late 90s and we couldn't find anyone. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't been done, but it's, it's rare. Yeah, and, and at least on the, you know, and Gabe Silver, he's a sophomore, so he's, he's a year, year younger. But the gap between, at least uh, this year, the gap between him and everybody else in the diving scene was about a, a cool 60 points. So uh, he seems, and unless someone comes up, which is very possible in the next year or two, kind of out of nowhere, um, he seems to be in a decent shape if he wants to go for four he could go for four as well so i'm just curious did you know did they happen to have gymnastics backgrounds a lot of them yes uh, both of them both of them did yes yeah yeah and at least for um for gabe i I remember him telling me this last year when i you know saw him win uh he had only taken up diving about three months before the championship so basically like at the start of um the winter diving season and i guess it'd be november 2022 um and he was a a gymnast and Mm -hmm. And just just needed like a was like would try to win her sport and a lot of the gymnastics stuff kind of translates mm-hmm. to diving and yeah. now diving is his main sport um and I think uh, same thing with deal was for Charlotte except she started a little bit younger mm-hmm. um in diving but I, I could see where diving is a very mental sport but yeah. uh, that I mean Charlotte has to sort of battle that right yeah well she said it's not it's not as she's learned to manage it better now but yeah the the big thing for her for a while was just sort of getting you know not getting in her own head when she would get on the board you know not overthinking things or worrying about scores or um you know you know putting bad dive you know kind of putting bad dives behind her so like it's not you know totally looks you know cool calm cool and collected whenever she does it now but yeah she said it she said at least a couple years ago that was sort of a you know something she had to she she had to sort of figure out how to deal with and Again, doesn't seem to be a doesn't seem to be huge huge issue right now. Especially given, I will say this was her um, uh, this was her closest uh, of the three championships she's won. This was her closest. She only won it by about three points. Um, so there was there was there was good competition uh, for her. I, I heard you remark after deadline that the the judging is is, is pretty harsh uh, <laughs> uh, 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 for these things. Any Soviets in there? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I'm always just surprised. Again, this is just because I have an untrained eye for this stuff. So unless someone's like fully splatting against the water, I, every dive to me looks <laughs> look, pretty competent. It, it looks impressive, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but but the the highest score I think any individual judge gave anybody was was both Charlotte and Gabe got a couple of sevens, and every everybody else was in like mostly the four to six range, which I was like. I don't know. These dives look pretty good to me. <laughs> Are we applying um, Olymp- uh, an Olympic standard here I, in Frederick I guess, County? Or? I guess maybe. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, it, I, I couldn't imagine doing any of these things. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of noticed that too uh, in previous years where I've covered the diving where it looks like a pretty darn good dive to me, but, but it would either get low marks or sort of marks that weren't as high as you would expect. Right. I was about to say, I'm expecting more people, especially when, like, when you get to the good divers, like, I would, you know, I'd expect to see the more sevens, eights, maybe a nine here and there. Um, I, I don't know the last time anybody got a 10, but. Right. Um, no, it was, it was like pretty much every, you know, if you were, if you were having a good night diving tonight, you were, you were sitting in like the fives and sixes mostly. Okay. With an occasional seven. Right. You you want to say to the judges like okay you get up, you get up there and, yeah uh, no. I, 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 I mean this. I'm sure yeah. they I'm sure in, in some past life they 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 had some yeah, diving sure. background and and, I, and I'm sure their judging is fine and appropriate oh, yeah. and, and stuff and they're applying the proper standards but 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 yes uh, to, it, it's just tough to, for the untrained eye hmm. and for the untrained uh, for the novices like us hmm. that don't know 
how to do it. I mean, it does seem a bit harsh. So um, the diving, of course, is the precursor to the FCPS Swimming Championships on Saturday mm. at Walkersville, right? Yes. Um, I know you have the heat sheets. Do you have much of a read on that meet? So uh, once again, seems like it's going to be neck and neck Urbana Oakdale on both the boys and the girls' side. Um, as for records, it didn't. It, I it didn't seem like, at least based on the the times. Uh, uh, that were submitted uh, to to sort of seed everybody into the heats. Uh, that maybe not as many records will be broken this year. I remember la- last year there were four, uh, four that went down, including the two oldest in the book. Um, that was TJ's Kyle Baumgartner, but he grad he's graduated. So um, I, I didn't seem like maybe quite as quite as likely to have as many records fall uh, on Saturday. But at least on the team side, it seems like it's another Urbana Oakdale you know, dead heat. <laughs> right. As it, as it always seems to be. Yeah. Uh, do you have, I know you saw the diving tonight, yeah. but I know they made some repara- repairs to the pool or renovations yeah. to the pool. I don't know if you noticed that or anything. I, I honestly did not. They were operating the scoreboard for diving tonight, which I think was the first time that they'd done that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at least just as like an unofficial tally. So, you, you know, something to sort of keep, you know, if you're just watching as a fan, I, I was, uh, my back was to it. So I, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I wasn't really looking at it, no, but just curious. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I guess that was the main thing I saw. Sure. But uh, basketball, we're we're creeping towards the the CMC uh, championships. Are those next week, fellas? Or uh, two weeks? Two, uh, two weeks. From yeah, now? they're um they're split up now on two days because of uh because there's now um uh the the two championship games uh, for both boys and girls. Um, I right. think I think we I was looking. I believe it's the small school. Championships are at Hood College on the twentieth, and I think the large school ones are at TJ on the twenty second. But I'm gonna have to go double check that, right? Because <laughs> it's been a few days since I've looked. <laughs> uh, the the story on the Frederick County basketball scene to me right now is the Oakdale girls, uh, winners of ten in a row, uh, had a very impressive win uh, over Middletown on Monday of this week that I witnessed. And uh, and, and John, the thing that struck me about them uh, was just their overall size. I mean, they're, they're a very tall team. They're also uh, fast. They're, they're fast. Yeah. Um, uh, they have five, I think, players that are about six feet uh, or, or taller, uh, w- mm-hmm. which is more than most teams around here, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> one of their best players happens to be one of their shorter players, and that's... Elisa uh, uh, Ortiz. Elisa uh, Ortiz. I used to call her Alyssa. It's Elisa. Elisa, uh, yes. yeah. I... I um, I I wanted to call her Alyssa right. too, but but I, I wasn't corrected. But then I heard someone else say it, so I actually yeah. got it right before I before I actually interviewed her mm-hmm. after the Middletown game. So <clears throat> so so I got lucky there. Um, but but they're playing really well. Uh, um, they're tall, fast, big. I mean, they have most ingredients uh, you would want, and and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play Frederick High on on Friday, uh, right. uh, and Frederick High has been the standard. Uh, for years, but but certainly this season, I, I think with, with only one loss, yeah. uh, they beat Oakdale by twenty um, uh, earlier in the year. But uh, it seems like a different Oakdale team now, and, and and that'll be some game on Friday. And it's at Oakdale as well. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, there, there's two teams are going to meet again in that uh, CMC thing, Big Schools Championship. Right. I mean, now this one, of course, counts for the playoffs. So they're both, I assume, battling to try to you know get better seeds for the playoffs. Yeah, so. it's funny because we're going to have Middle Middletown's playing Catoctin mm-hmm. Friday, and they're going to meet, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to meet in the cmc game mm, and right. then oakdale's playing frederick on friday and they're mm. going to meet in this in the in the cmc girls game I, I would not be shocked if all four of those teams went to the state quarterfinals now the uh, middletown probably has the toughest path 
But I mean, again, like we were mentioning, a lot of, most of their losses came to these like really great teams in other classifications, and I could see them getting out of the region. And the other three that we just mentioned, Catoctin, Oakdale, and Frederick, and you know, in four A three, we could we could actually have four teams, at the very least three teams, go to the state quarterfinals, and maybe a couple more go beyond for right. girls. <clears throat> right, and Oakdale might get, uh, according to Rob Healy, when I talked to him earlier in the week, uh, Sky Bayless is on the mend uh, from her broken mm-hmm. ankle. Right, Alexander. Yeah, uh, that was unfortunate to witness in person uh, yeah um, and it kind of threw them off in a, in a loss they had to a to a very good uh, Catoctin team um so yeah so Oakdale they're they're about to maybe get even even better with one of their best players coming back so um I, I was impressed I, I I said that to coach Healy um and they they have most the ingredients you would need to, to make a deep run at states. Uh, now, Ligonor is in the region, but they had beaten them twice in the regular season. Right. Uh, yeah. The second time they beat them handily. The first time went came down to the buzzer. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, I, I I just think their uh, the size is tough to deal with. You have uh, J- Jane Rape. You have uh, uh, Alexis Rowe, uh, who's been blocking shots left and right. She set a couple school records. Uh, um, uh, for single game blocks, uh, in, in the last week or so, uh, she had 10 or uh, excuse me, 11 against, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the next um, one in there, Middletown. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I said to coach Healy that, that he's, he's got a great team and it'll be interesting to see how they match, how they match up with Frederick in their, in their speed. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Frederick has some size too, obviously with, um, Aubrey Murray is uh, like six uh, foot Aubrey three. Murray, right. She can play it too. Yeah, the, the Oakdale <laughs> girls are like six feet, six one, mm-hmm. um, in, in that range. So Aubrey's a little, a little taller, but um, mm-hmm. but and it's just a be an interesting contrast contrast in styles because mm-hmm. Oakdale prides itself on defense, and then you right. have uh, <clears throat> Sydney Husky uh, charging into the basket for Frederick. Mm-hmm. You have Marley Williams charging into the basket right. for Frederick. So, so they like I, to run, right? But Oakdale is rarely gets beat down the court, so that'll be the little battle there. You know, yeah, they got to take care of the ball, Oakdale, because a lot of times Frederick gets his turnovers and they get the fast breaks. So if they can take care of the ball, um, they, it should be a really good game. I mean, we're we're talking about Oakdale here, but but Frederick did beat him pretty handily, and, very good. And, and this will be this will be this will be a this will be a test for him. So so yeah. this is this is a big game, and 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 we'll we'll see we'll see how they respond uh, to the big test. Uh, boys, uh, not a lot of shakeups uh, this week. Uh, um, uh, Frederick uh, did get their. Uh, there went back over Urbana. Yeah, that was uh, – speaking of defense in that game, like Urbana's defense actually played pretty well and held Frederick to two of its lowest out scoring outputs of the season. But Frederick just went – totally turned it up on, on defense even more. They held Urbana to 32, and uh, and it was, it, was, it was competitive for a little bit because the offenses were slow starting. But once Frederick started to – Put some stuff in the basket. It was it was not competitive. So they uh they they were they were not up for the first game. They were very much up for this one, <laughs> and that also clinched them the uh, Aspires division. So they'll be facing I think North Hagerstown, uh, in the big schools championship. Yeah. And then I guess I should also throw in a note on the small school side. Um, Smithsburg uh, is is going to be in the small school championship. And then it's either Middletown or Walkersville. I don't think anybody knows what the tiebreaker is. I was going to ask if we had found that out. No. And uh, well, at least when I talked to John Kymig after they beat Smithsburg last week uh, in Middletown, uh, he said he didn't know. And then I think we'd emailed uh, 
or Josh, I think, an email Mike Mathis the other day about it, and he said he didn't know. So uh, the, the mystery, T- the mystery, the mystery <laughs> of the CMC tiebreak endures. And, you saw uh, Smith Bird, right? You saw Smith Yeah, and and they were um, they they matched up fairly well, I'd say, with um, uh, Middletown for the most part until mm. the last twelve minutes when Middletown held them without a field goal mm. <laughs> and. You know, for and for a team that loves to run up and down the floor, that again, that was sort of their, you know, I guess first time the defense is really impressed like that against a good opponent because again, it's usually either all offense running up and down or um or it sort of turns in like when when they got into the one grinder that they had against Walkersville they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, which which I also saw. Uh but yeah, so they their defense really turned it up down the stretch and again, you know, one point in the fourth quarter, no field goals in the last 12 minutes, you know, that'll, that'll play anywhere. Um, but I think it was fairly competitive about two and a half to three quarters. Um, also I would like to make a mention that a uh, Smithsburg did score on their own basket to start the game, which I've never seen before. <laughs> not, not, not a good sign, but, yeah, uh, so yeah, they, they fully spotted Middletown a two nothing lead, but <laughs> It yeah. I've seen it a couple times. It happened, yeah. but it's very, I don't know if I've seen it in the boys' game. I'm trying to think of, a, but I've seen it in a couple of girls. Well, if you can't there. score on the opposing team's basket, <laughs> might, uh, you might you might as well score on your own. Well, yeah. I was telling Alexander yeah. one yes. girls' game. I saw it. Uh, the team when they went up for the basket, the opponent tried to block the shot. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I think your coach is like let, you know, let him score, let her score, you know. And, and, yeah, uh, and I wonder what would happen if there was a foul there. I mean, you know, they, I mean. Not a shooting foul, I'd imagine. I mean, that, that was an interesting scoring game for Smithsburg. Uh, yeah. You go 12 minutes without scoring at the end of the game, and you start the game by uh, by spotting the team two points by scoring on your own basket. I, so. I can't imagine uh, if they get to if they face Middletown again uh, in the in the CMC title game. I can't imagine they will be doing any of that again. <laughs> they will be learning from their mistakes. Yeah. Uh, speaking, I mean, speaking of mistakes, Lingenor's four A, are they not? So they aren't going to uh, play. Lingenor's three A. Are they three A? Yeah. I get confused because yeah. Fred, of football. Frederick is Frederick 4A. is four A. Yeah, Frederick I was thinking about the girls' playoffs. So yeah. Lingenor and Oakdale will conceivably uh, could, could play again. Okay. Right. Oh, that was on my head. Uh, speaking of the Middletown boys, they had a noteworthy result this week. They they, they beat Oakdale uh, 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 in a game this week, a close game. Overtime, uh, overtime, overtime yeah. I believe believe in overtime, Middletown pulled it out. That's a nice win because Oakdale is always tough. So, gentlemen, thank you. And when we come back, we will talk to the girls' coach at Middletown, Chris Crevo. So, look forward to that chat. So, stay with us here on the final score. Well, after a 13-year break from coaching, which included a 10-year stint as the athletic director at Oakdale High School, uh, Chris Krebos is back on the scene here in Frederick County, uh, coaching uh, the Middletown High School girls. Uh, Knights are having a fine season so far, uh, 13-6 and overall, as they uh, gear up for the playoffs, which begin at the uh, end of the month, uh, start of uh, early Next month, and uh, Chris joins me in the studio now. Chris, thanks for being here. I've uh, been looking forward to having you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, what uh, brought you back to coaching uh, here? Why, why was the time right to come back? Um, I think it was just a time in my life, and uh, I'm at an age now where um, my, both my parents have passed, and I wanted to take care of them for a few years, and I had a lot of time on my hands. All my children are grown so I had some free time, and uh, what better way to do that than, than basketball, which I've always been passionate about and I enjoy immensely. So um, when the Middletown job came open and I was already in the Middletown schools, it was a perfect marriage, and I'm grateful for the, grateful for the opportunity. 
Did, did you have the itch uh, while, while you were away uh, during those 13 years? You know, to be honest with you, not really. You know, when you're an athletic director, you're rooting for all the teams. You know, I got very close with my wrestling coach, very very close with my field hockey coaches, my softball coaches, and my, and my um, golf coaches, you know, sports that I hadn't spent a lot of time around. So I, I really wasn't missing it, com to be honest with you, because I was getting it filled other ways. I was happy for Kurt Stein's success on the base on the football field. I was happy for Mitch Rubin's success on the soccer field. I was happy for Terry Connolly's success on the basketball court. You know, so I really did not miss it, um, to be honest with you. Um, but when I was only teaching and not being around sports on an everyday basis, I did start getting the itch again. Uh, why, why was Middletown the right spot for you? Um, I, I live in Frederick on, on that side of town. Um, it only takes me about 10 minutes to get to work. I, I work at a, with the Middletown Primary School where I'm a physical education teacher. I love the community. They're very supportive. They have high expectations. And um, when that job came open, um, it was open for the second time in three years with, with Coach Nelson stepping down. Um, like I said, it was just the perfect time for me. Um, I applied with Coach Lanat and 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 the assistant principal there, and and luckily I was chosen, and very excited to be there. Well, what has it been like to be back? It's been very very different. Um, it's it's been very very different. Um, you know, it's no no secret to my girls that I have now. They're they're one of the most athletic bunch of kids I've ever been around. All four of my seniors have signed national letter of intents. Just so happens that none of them are for basketball. Um, when I was at the Blue School, Urbana. Um, Is this that what we call it, the Blue School? Uh, the Blue School. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, when I was there, um, I literally had 19 kids who played basketball year-round. And when the group of five seniors graduated, there were five more ninth graders that came in that played year-round. And that's what they did. They played basketball. They lifted weights in the offseason. They played AAU in the offseason. They played fall ball. And then we were ready to go. Here we have one right now that plays year-round. And that, that's different. Um, huddle. Huddle is a scouting service that we have, which is not a big deal to most people. But back in the day, Coach Goins and I would just go to school to school to school and scout teams. And um, to be honest with you, I still do that on the big games. I still go see them in person. Um, but, you know, you just simply request a tape and somebody sends you a tape and you're just giving tapes away um, on a nonstop basis with Huddle. So the technology is much, much different. The social media is much, much different. Um, but it's basketball is still basketball. Do you find the job has gotten easier, Chris, or has it gotten tougher? Um, you know, I think I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm a, I'm a lot more laid back, not quite as intense as I was as a coach the first time around. Is that a good or a bad thing? I think that's probably a good thing. <laughs> okay. um, it's it's probably a good thing for for my age, and it's, and it's and it's what's necessary for this generation of of kid. Um, again, the, the the kids at the Blue School, if we canceled practice on a Saturday because we thought we needed a break they'd want to come in anyway. Um, you know, here we, t we take a break. We take the break. You know, it, it, it's, it's okay with them. And um, we have some players coming. Um, we're, we're, we've reestablished. And when I say we, I've, I've been blessed with some really good assistant coaches. We've reestablished our, our um, cooperation with our eighth-grade program. We've got some really good um, players in the eighth-grade program coming up. Um, we got some hopeful kids coming back to Middletown from St. Maria Goretti. Um, so, so we're hopeful, and, and um, you know, we're going to work hard in this offseason to get them where we need them to be. 
So, so you're less intense, but are you coaching differently than you did before? Um, we we are coaching differently. Um, we were straight up, we were straight up man to man in in your face kind of team at the Blue School. We we played man to man. Everybody knew it. Um, we didn't we didn't change it for who we played. And here we make adjustments. Um, you know, we play at Catoctin High School on Friday night, and we got to figure out a way to how to stop dribble penetration. And if we don't, it's going to be a very, very long night, and um, we have to switch things up. So we do. We run a lot of a lot of zones, um, a lot of matchup zones, Syracuse type zones. We still do play some man to man, but we have to mix it up a whole lot. We 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 ran a lot of cyclical offenses that that at Urbana where. Um, the kids knew it like the back of their hand, and there were a lot of different options off those those looks. And at the at at Middletown, we run a lot of quick hitters just because their kids understand them a little bit better and and perform better at them. Have you had to change your personal style at all? Can you coach the kids the same way now that you did back in 2010? No, no, it's 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 much it's much different. It's a it's a um, you, you've got a. You've got to remember that it's a it's a kid-centered situation. It's an education-based um, sport, and you have to keep it on that level. And and we've been able to do that. Um, you know, I I really I really probably made the transition as an AD because that's what we had to do, and that's how we had to coach up the coaches um, to make sure that we were you know holding back on the intensity. And it, you know, what's important to us as coaches is not always important to the kids. Um, at the same level. So you just have to measure that and, and do right by it. Uh, when you were coaching toward the tail end at the Blue School, I mean, I, I guess Twitter was a couple of years old. Uh, there was no such thing as TikTok. Uh, Instagram was probably in its infancy, if it existed at all. Just sort of how has social media changed the coaching job, Chris? Um, it's much different. We, 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 we counsel our school, our school to not get on it or not participate in it. Um, but I probably have seen um, some some social media called Barstool, where um, you know my senior captain's being slammed back and forth on the on the on the on the table um, by a kid from um, I believe it was Smithsburg. Um, luckily, we went into Smithsburg and beat them, so that felt felt good. But you know, there's you you see these posts, and you know, to be honest with you, Kaylee just laughed about it, and it didn't really bother her. I think of myself as a 17, 18 year old kid. It would have bothered me. Um, I, I didn't. I wouldn't have handled it as well as she has. Um, I think kids can be vicious sometimes in social media. Um, we just ask our kids to just remember that you know things you say on there could be hurtful, and they're a permanent record, you know, coming from you. And you just have to be careful. Do you do you do you have a bunch of people that are active on social media on your on your team, or, or how, how do you caution the, your, your players that are? Act, more active on there you know what we, we actually have a basketball twitter account and the only thing that ever goes on there if you check the middletown girls basketball some is positive things and um you know right now i have a parent who runs that for me who i have utmost trust in um you know for the first couple of months she would ask me is this okay to put on and then we came to an understanding as long as it's positive and it's about kids it's an it's an okay thing to post um, and we've gotten really good feedback on that. In terms of the girls in social media, um, you know, not to my knowledge, are we participating in anything like that bar stool where we're putting up memes of people, at least not that it's been brought to my attention. Um, but we've talked about it. And, you know, I've said, well, you know, how does that make you feel? And, and you know, like I said, 
to, to some of our seniors, they just kind of laugh about it because, oh, coach, you, that, that's nothing. You should have seen what, what happened when we went here or when we went here. And it, and it kind of it shocked me a little bit. And I said, well, we're not participating in that, right? No, coach, we're not doing it. And, you know, I just have to take them at their word and understand that they're not doing it. And, and hopefully, you know, I feel like that, that at the Middletown level, they're, they're, their parents are so strong, the community is so strong that, that, that they understand how to take that and, and keep it into perspective. Uh, so a lot of your girls, their postings have nothing to do with Middletown basketball, maybe per se, or if they do, they're not confrontational or they're not going after any particular Correct. athlete or team. Correct. Like, like you say, you like to keep things uh, positive <clears throat> uh, in nature. So... Um, is, has it been like just getting back up on the bike, Chris, or, uh, is it, did it feel like you never left or, or did it feel, I, I know you said the job's different now, but, uh, did you have to get your sea legs back? So I definitely had to get my sea legs left. You know, one thing that happened to me is I got really, really sick. I, I didn't get sick at all when I was at, in the high school level for, for all the years I was there, but being around little kids who are constantly crawling on me, I'm like their grandfather. You know, they, they hang on me, they give me hugs, and, and I've been, I was sick from Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. So that was the first thing that I had to get through. Once I got through that sickness, things picked up a little bit. Um, but we, we, we had two scrimmages, um, and scrimmages for me have always been educational and what, what do we need to work on, what do we do really well. And it was very clear to me that we were going to have trouble scoring and we had to we had to figure this out and we had to figure it out in a hurry or we were going to have a really long year. Um, so we did. You know, we worked on that and, and we've been relatively successful doing that. Um, we've had some really big wins and we've had a couple of bad losses. Um, but our kids understand that. You know, we actually had that conversation today, you know, what our good wins are and you know, what our bad losses are and how, you know, even Catoctin tomorrow night, we're going to get a chance to play them two more times now that we're going to play them in the CMCs. Um, but, we, you know, beating a team like Catoctin would be a big deal for us because they're, they're, they're one of the better teams on our, on our um, schedule and, and, you know, we get a second shot at them and, you know, we're going to give them a, we're going to give them a better showing this time. Do you get do you get nervous before games? Um, I can't sleep at night. I have trouble eating. Absolutely, uh, you know when it's an away game, I panic on the way on the bus. Oh, what happens if we don't score? You know, I so yeah, I did when I was at the Blue School, and I and I do here. So you, I that that hasn't changed. That, none of that's changed. I still I still get a little anxiety. I try not to show it to anybody because that's not my job. I'm supposed to be the confident one, but I absolutely get anxiety when I'm. Um, the same way I did when I was there. So, so what was it like coming back after 13 years? What, what, what were your nerves, or how were you feeling prior to that first game uh, in December? You, you know, the, um, the the after our first two scrimmages, I was really nervous about the first game um, because we played so poorly in those two scrimmages, and um, you know, we had realized that we were speaking at a level of basketball. Um, that, just as I had left off at the blue school and that's not where we were. We, we had to, we had to bring it down, not, not dumb it down per se, but bring it down to its most fundamental level. And our kids are extremely athletic and extremely smart. And as soon as we did that, they got it. And, and it's, and it's really helped us. Well, let's go back to 2010. I mean, you're, you're, you're enjoying coaching um, at the blue school Urbana uh, but all of a sudden, the opportunity of a lifetime uh, presents itself. Uh, you have the chance to 
to be the first athletic director at a, at a school opening, you, you could start an athletic program from scratch. Just how were you feeling at the time? Were you, were you sort of ready to leave coaching? And just how did you look at the challenge of opening Oakdale? I was, you know, Veronica, my oldest, was that um, she was graduating that year. Um, I remember telling the girls, I, I, I interviewed for the job, I want to say in early November, but I didn't hear about the answer until March. And um, I remember being in the team room at Urbana and all the girls were sitting around. And of course, my daughter had known before all the rest of them. And I just said to him, I said, hey, girls, listen, you know, you're probably going to hear this in the newspaper. So I want you to hear it before you do it in, hear it in the newspaper. This will be my last year at Urbana. I'm going to become the athletic director at Oakdale. And I remember one particular girl, she was really upset. And I had to remind her, her name was Alex, Alex Cummings. And I said, Alex, you realize you're leaving too, hon. You're a senior, so you're not going to be here. You don't need to be upset. <laughs> so, now, Why was it the right time? Were you ready to leave coaching in general, or did, was the Oakdale opportunity just the, too, the, too the good Oakdale, to the pass Oak, The Oakdale opportunity was, was huge. You know, I, I was a part of the original staff at Urbana, not as an AD, but as a school support counselor and a basketball coach. And opening that school was a lot of fun. You have to do a lot of extra jobs. Um, I worked with a dynamic principal, Dr. George Seaton, for a long time. Um, I believe I worked with him for 17 years, and he had asked me to become the AD at, at, at Urbana at one point, and I told him at that point Veronica was going to be a freshman, and I wasn't interested. I wanted to go ahead and coach her up and get her through it, and we did that. Um, and then the four years later, he had become the, the principal at Oakdale and asked me to come over there, and the second time he asked me, I, I, I was ready to go. Um, coaching, coaching, you know, you don't get paid a whole bunch. It takes a lot of your time if you're going to do it right. Um, and, and I probably needed a break for, from that at that time. And I needed to be re-energized. And the Oakdale AD job, I had a chance to be around some really dynamic coaches and bring them in. And um, that's what we tried to do. What did you have to do first at, at Oakdale? What, what was the first priority? Um, the first priority was was hiring coaches. And, and, and you know, um, I think there were two coaches that were hired that I didn't hire were Terry Connolly, the basketball coach. He was hired by Co Dr. Seaton, and Mitch Rubin was hired by Dr. Seaton. Um, but everybody else was hired by me. Um, and so we started right away on the football coach, and I, I think we had nine people apply for the football coach. Um, and that was that was some heated discussions with Lynn Carr and George Seaton and myself. Um, and, and I was the one that was politicking for Kurt Stein because I had a couple of buddies call me um, superintendent, associate superintendent, Dr. Marco, who wasn't the Dr. Marco at the time. And Mike Franklin from Catoctin told me about this young Kurt Stein and I trusted him. And so I politicked for Kurt Stein and that's worked out really well for Oakdale. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's, he's still there. Just won, just won his second state championship. Do you take some level of satisfaction in that, that, that you hired him and you saw something in him that maybe others didn't? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, you know, I love the fact that, that he's one. Brandon Long is another one. Um, he makes me especially proud because not only did I hire Brandon Long, but he's also a Brunswick boy, which I'm a Brunswick graduate as well. So that makes me very proud that he was able to get one as well. Did you hire Rob Healy? I did. Okay. So, so when you look at Oakdale, a lot of your a lot of the people you brought in are, are, are still there. It's, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches left when I left. Um, Sam Mills left. The, the – um, the uh, field hockey coach left, the lacrosse girls left. 
Um, so it's been it's been a little bit of a turnover, but yeah, there are quite a few that are still there. But but, but your fingerprints are still sort of on the on the program, and uh-huh. and, when, and when the teams have success, that, that, that it's 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 got to make you feel pretty good. It, it does not as good as it did when I was really there wearing <laughs> wearing the black and silver, but but right. um, I do feel good for them them personally. Right. Uh, what was your your soccer team? Your your very first season at Oakdale your, your soccer team goes and, and, and they win a state championship under under, under the guy your girls soccer team under the guidance of Mitch Rubin uh, they wanted I believe in penalty penalty kicks and what, what were you thinking when, when, when the girls team did that in the very first semester of Oakdale High School I, th- I thought it was an amazing accomplishment we only had 10th graders we only had ninth and 10th graders um, going against 17 and 18 year olds and and Mitch basically had that expectation to win that in August and he was doing everything in his power to put them in a position to win he did a magnificent job coaching them up and and those those some of those kids are you know um, the twins the Cobra twins that were on that team and hit the winning penalty kick one of them is an attorney and one of them is a is a Navy pilot you know those are the type of kids that they were and, and they got it done. Oh, were you were you telling Mitch like whoa 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 slow down like this is our first season like uh, I, I I mean we might no maybe shooting, I was shooting, aiming a little too high here nope or? I was I was I was right there with him and saying let's go <laughs> you know you know what I mean I mean like you know he he exuded confidence you know he 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 exuded confidence and you know we said let's go you know you know we we also played varsity basketball that first year too with just 10th graders and that wasn't the original plan but we politicked for that and we made that happen and i think that made us a better program um we took some lumps um you know but at the same time i I feel like we understood how where we needed to get and how good we needed to get and how we needed to work to get there and i feel like they did that how have you looked at the growth of the football program under Kurt? Because they took some lumps too. I mean, they, oh, they, 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 they played a JV season, but then really that first varsity season, they didn't have any seniors. They're playing Ligonor and Urbana. And- I can I can tell you, and, and Kurt can attest to this, that I remember those. And the thing that, that I was most impressed about Kurt is he never made any excuses. You know, we, we took our lumps. Um, you know, we, we got beat by 50 sometimes and 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 I remember the first game we thought they were going to win it was it got called because of lightning and we had to come in the next day and I think we had a two touchdown lead and we ended up losing because a kid basically called called a he, he, he there was a kickoff and he treated it like a punt and they recovered the ball. No, I, and, I remember the scenario. And, yeah. and and we ended up losing the game. And we and then I think the following week we may have won our first game. But that game we should have won that game. I think it was against Century or somebody like that. I mean, you guys didn't really have any business playing a varsity schedule as young as you were. Yeah, we so. only had juniors at that point. Um, yeah, um, but but then we would have been having juniors play JV and 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 you know they've won two state championships since they've been open. And there's some schools that have never won any. And so. You know, people can say that we shouldn't have been there, but I but I think that it added to you know what they've been able to accomplish since then. Uh, how, how do you look back on your time at Oakdale? What would you learn about? What did you learn by being an AD, Chris? Um, I learned that it's a it's a tough job. Um, you're not going to please everybody all of the time. Um, it's Im- imperative that you support your coaches. Um, you know, it's okay to talk to your coaches and and, and coach them up, but it's important to co- to, to protect them. Um, like I said, nobody's ever, no one, no one's ever happy all the time. There's a lot of detail. It's a detail oriented job in terms of buses and officials and, and facilities. It's a very detailed oriented job. 
and there's really no how-to manual. Um, you know, you just you just learn on the job. I, I can remember when we first put that varsity basketball schedule together, we played a team called Silver Maple, and we ended up playing them on a Tuesday and a Friday of the same week because that's all we could do. Um, Jimmy Deegan from Tuscarora was the first AD that offered up some ideas to help me, which was, you know, he would be playing, say, Liberty on a Tuesday, and he said, instead of me playing Liberty, um, you play Liberty on that Tuesday, and you play me on this Wednesday, and that's how we got extra games. We would get to schools that had a game scheduled out of their conference. We would take that game over, and then we would play them, and that way they didn't lose a game. We would gain a game, and that's how we ended up getting a full schedule. Well, was your job tougher because you were starting the program from scratch? It, it was tougher in that we were we were automatically put in the MBAL and we had to pay fees, but they didn't give us a schedule like they did everybody else that first year, and so that was that was a lot tougher. We spent a lot of hours on the phone. You know, we were willing to play anybody. Um, um, it's just you know a lot of people had conference responsibilities, and it was so that's how we ended up playing Silver Maple twice, and we played a lot of other private schools. I think we played St. James that year. We may have played Goretti that year, um, and I was grateful for those Catholic schools be willing to play us just so we could fill out our schedule. Uh, did you know what you were doing uh, as an AD when the first time you slipped behind the chair at Oakdale? Were you prepared? Um, prepared. I mean, I think working for Dr. Seaton, I was prepared. Um, you know, I, I had been around, you know, Kevin McMullen when he opened up uh, um, Urbana High School, and I remember the great job that he did. So I used a lot of what I learned from Coach McMullen. Um, we, we did, a, we did a, a really good job at Oakdale, but it wasn't by myself. You know, there were a lot of good people working there, you know, including Kurt Stein, including Terry Connolly, um, you know, including Dr. Seaton that, that, that really helped – you know the the football staff that Kurt had put together. They were the they were the guys that came in and were the security for all my games early on. Um, Quinn and 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 you know there were just so many of them. Um, Quinn Williams and and people like that would just come down and help us out. Um, so it was a collective group of guys that really really helped make that place go. Who did you really lean on, uh, George Seaton, or like who really helped you through the job? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, George, George. You know, the tough questions all all went through George. Um, you know, very early on, we had um, you know Tracy Kibler was there. Um, you know, Tracy, the former Tracy Kelly, who played at East Carolina, who coached at Catoctin. She was an assistant principal. She was one of our first assistant principals. So she was my athletic supervisor. You know, in charge of me. So I leaned a lot on her. Um, you know, but personally for me, when things got rough, it was Terry Connolly. He, he was, he was my go-to guy and him and I worked very, very closely together. Did you have to place some orders for some baseballs that first year, Chris? Cause your, your baseball field was positioned basically right up against a ravine, I guess, where they're now homes. Or and, and do you know, developed. and do you know, that's one of the most expensive things that we had to purchase were baseballs. Uh, really? I mean, no I kidding. Mean, they, they were, they were five gallon buckets of balls that we would buy. And I mean, I forget what the cost was. I don't. I want to say like three hundred and fifty dollars for for a fifty gallon bu bucket. And I don't know how many balls are in there, maybe fifty. But 
um, they're very expensive. And yeah, you know, and then finally we got a new cage put up. And, 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 and <laughs> it's a, about time, and, and, you and were probably net. saying. <laughs> um, but, but it was, um, we lost a lot of baseballs and, yeah, could, um, and lacrosse balls were getting lost. And, and those were the frustrating days. And we never lost footballs and we never <laughs> lost basketballs. Right. And, and, but we would lose those, those little balls would get lost. And yeah, but because I mean, in most schools, you just go retrieve the foul ball or whatever right. and, you, and you go find it. But, but your baseball and softball fields were not, were not positioned. Nope. They yeah. just went into a, we, went into a weeded field with poison ivy and poison oak and yeah, sticker it, bushes. It, it, and, it was steep too. Yeah, well, like, it, like, like you almost needed an, uh, an off-road vehicle to get yep, there. It was, a, we had a lot of retaining walls there. <laughs> How did your love for sports start, Chris? Were, were you an athlete growing up as a kid? I was. I, I, I grew up in Brunswick, and, and um, it was the greatest childhood I could have ever had. You know, I had the best of friends. Um, we're going to vacation with some of those friends this year down in Nashville. I'm very excited about that. Um, but, you know, Brunswick was a very small school there as it is now, and so we played, you know, we played everything. I played football all through middle school and elementary school. I played soccer in high school. I played basketball all the time. Um, I played baseball at Brunswick High School. Um, it's just what you did. And, and um, it, you know, back then, Church League was really big. And so I remember I played for Church League. You know, we played Babe Ruth baseball. You know, if, you, if, you play, if you're in Brunswick, you play baseball. Um, so I did that for quite a bit. Um, and, and, yeah, it was just um, what had happened was my, my parents were, were imperative. They were a part of the committee with the Cox family and the Martins who started PVYA. And um, they had both had teams, intramural teams, and I noticed that both of, the, both of them had a couple of girls on their teams, and the girls were better than the boys on those teams. So the next year, we joined the Mid-Maryland League, and I was 16 years old, and I, what I knew is my mom told me she was going to coach the team, and I said, Mom, you know, what do you know about basketball? And she goes, well, not a whole lot, but we got to give these girls an opportunity. And I said, well, I'm going to help you. And so I did, and luckily Bill Martin, who was the president of PVY at the time, allowed me to do it. And so when I was 16 years old, I was the Mid Maryland coach for 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 um, Brunswick. We over three years we went 72 and two, and I didn't know a thing about coaching. You know, it was just that we had great players like Gaylene Smith, and and Leslie Bartlett, and Joseph Botipka. I think all three of those kids became Frederick County Players of the Year when they were in high school. Um, and they really taught me how to coach. And, um, and well, when, what, what made you want to coach at such a young age? Um, just that, so my mom wouldn't be embarrassed, you know, to be honest. I, you know, I was like, well, you know, you don't know a lot about basketball. I, I, I got to help you. And I had been coached by Troy Kemp in the eighth grade. I was, um, you know, I had a really good JV basketball coach. I had Jim Sklincar, um, who every day ate lunch with me for 180 days a year. He came down at our table and he sat with us, and we had a full table. But when he kept coming, everybody left, and it was just me and him. And he would talk basketball every day, and I just soaked it up and became passionate about it and loved it and had a lot of fun with it. Did you think coaching was the greatest job from, from day one? I, I, You know, from day one, you know, when I was 16, I, I, I liked the winning aspect. I liked the kids listening. I remember our first Mid-Maryland game. We won the game 14-13, to 13, and it was against Thermont. And I remember the Thurmont girls crying after the game. It was like the first game of the year. And I was like, are they crying because they only scored 13 points? Like, what are they upset about? And then it was brought to my attention that Tammy Joy was on that team, and she had never lost a game ever 
you know, growing up in her intramurals or in her, and they didn't expect for her to lose. This is about a, a fourteen to thirteen basketball game. Yeah, it was fourteen to thirteen. It was a seventh grade girls basketball. So there was game. some there was some defense being played in this. There game. was some really bad shooting in that basketball <laughs> okay, that okay. basketball game. That, that explains but, it. But too. I just remember it was a very low scoring game, and we had won the game, and they weren't expecting it, and they were very upset. And then I realized this is really important to these kids. And, um, you know, Tammy Joy was one of the greatest mm-hmm. players ever to come out of Frederick and ended up going to Long Beach State, I believe. Um, you know, had a tough career because of her injuries, but she was a great player from Thurmond and Catoctin. So so you knew you wanted to be a coach before you graduated from high school? Yes. Okay, you, you knew that was that was your future. Um, so so how, how, did, how did you – how did so, you go about making it happen from there? So when I was at Towson, um, you know, when I was at Towson, Towson Catholic was the number one girls team in the country. And I did some scouting for them and I did some some different things that I could do to help them. Um, I would go out and, and videotape for them. I would do whatever I could do to help them at practice. And that was a whole lot of fun. Um, once I graduated, um, I got my first job out of school, which was working at a diesel and locomotive junkyard. Um, I had some time and I, that, actually, that, that's not coaching. No, but I, but I, but coaching doesn't pay you very much either. Uh, yeah, and, it, it, and, it, paid and, the, it paid the bills for cor- sure. Cor- yeah. Correct. And so that was paying my bills. And then, um, I got a job working, um, at Brunswick, Brunswick high school actually as the JV basketball coach. From there, I got a job, um, teaching at TJ high school. And I remember they had just won a state title, um, with, um, Jim Myers was the basketball coach and he was a guy from Middletown and did a great job with those guys. He had the older Dove kid on the team. I think Katie Dove was her name and they had won a state title and Debbie Dove was going to be a freshman. And the principal at the time, Mike Riley brought me into the office and he said, Chris, I understand you coach AAU and, um, you coach some basketball. And he said, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, you're going to be my girls basketball coach. And I said, well, co- I said, well, Dr. Riley, I said, I appreciate that, but I don't want to force Jim Myers out of a job. And I remember what Dr. Riley said to me. He said, Chris, you don't have any power to force anybody out of a job. He, <laughs> said, he said, only I do. Yeah. And he said, if you're going to teach here, you are going to do this job. And that's really what happened. He told me I was going to be the TJ coach and that's how it happened. I became the TJ coach. When Dr. Bolander got the job, I interviewed for the Urbana job. Um, just because it was closer to my home, and I thought it would be kind of cool to open up a school, and that's how that all happened. So, so you've opened two schools. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty crazy. Um, were, were you better prepared for your – when you started coaching at TJ, were you better prepared for that coaching job than you were <laughs> as, I, as a 16-year-old kid? I think so. You know, at TJ, you know, although, you know, at TJ – my support group changed. You know, I was working with Tom Dickman every day, and, and he's the best of the best. And so, you know, I would go eat lunch with Tom every day and take things out of his garbage can that he had sketched up and, and, and use it. I also had some really good players that, you know, I mentioned Katie Dove, but Debbie Dove ended up playing at California University of Pennsylvania, you know, in one of those PSAC schools. Um, you know, so I learned about kids getting recruited and kids, you know, kids getting scholarships and that sort of thing. And then, of course, when I – um, went to Urbana. I had quite a few kids get full rides to go go play, uh, you know, in, in on the college level. So we, the growth kept growing. Did you have to learn how to coach girls? I mean, or did you want to coach boys at some point, or just the you know girls what? was your track? You know, the girls just seemed to fall in my lap. It's what I started with when I was younger, and it just, it just, just where I was. And then, and then I came to appreciate the game for what it was, and and. I used to hang out with Mark Miller and Jack Mel, and we'd go to the WBCA, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association conferences, and I'd you know go to these clinics, and it was just we just had so much fun, and and 
Um, I was learning so much and, and it never, it never, uh, never bored me. I never had enough of it. Um, I just enjoyed it so much and I was very, very passionate about it. And so, yeah, it just worked out that way. Where, where, where does your trademark intensity, uh, come from? Um, you know, it, it's funny, um, that my, my kids asked me that today and I told them, you know, I, I think it's just when you grow, grow up in Brunswick, um, you, you kind of have to fight for the last poor chop on the plate. You know, you, you, you want so badly to win for your school. You know, we believed that we were going to beat Middletown every time we played them. We didn't. I don't, I don't remember us ever beating them. But the next time we played them, we thought we were going to beat them. And, and we never made excuses because we were small. We never made excuses because, um, you know, we didn't have enough players. We thought we were good enough to beat anybody we played. Um, didn't always happen, but, but we were always competitive. And, um, the group of guys that I hung around, you know, we would go up, play basketball for a couple hours in the morning, hit around a tennis ball. We'd go to the Brunswick pool and go swimming for several hours, go get some dinner at the closest house. And then we'd go back up and play some more, more basketball. It's just what we did. Um, you know, if we weren't doing that, we were fishing on the Potomac, but usually, usually we were, we were playing some sort of sport, tennis, um, basketball. We played pickup football on Sundays. And you you were never indoors, it seems. No, you know we didn't we didn't have any social media. We didn't have any games. I think the first gaming system we had was that little Mattel football, the little that you hit the buttons on on the handheld Mattel football thing, yeah. um, electronic football, which probably are worth a little bit more money now than they are when they when we bought them. But um, we just being outside is what we did, and and. Um, back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones. You just were expected to be home, you know, before dark or when the street lights came on. I lived in Knoxville, so there were no street lights. You know, I just had to get home before the bats came out, you know, cause I, <laughs> cause I was on a 10 speed bicycle. So I had to get moving. Yeah. Um, you say you've mellowed. Is that, is that come just through age or is your wife and kids say, Hey, you need to calm down a little bit. You know what? A um, little bit of both. Okay. You, you, you know, a little little bit of both. Um, you know, I'm 56 years old. Um, do you have high blood pressure, Chris? I do not. Okay. I do not. Um, it's it's an amazing thing. Um, <laughs> I do not have high blood pressure. I think it's because I'm able to get it out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I, I have a job right now that I absolutely love. You know, I, 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 I have pre-K through second grade. They're the greatest kids in the world. Um, they, they, you know, it doesn't matter what we do in physical education. If we play zookeeper tag, home run derby or magic club, they're happy. They're excited. They think it's the greatest game we've ever played and the greatest game they've ever played in their life. And that's the way they treat it. And it, it is, it is, um, it is so much fun to be around it. And I, and, and I, I just, en- I just enjoy it. And I love going to work each day. Um, and the, the girls that I have now at Middletown are, are super, super, super human beings. They're, they're great people. They're smart. They're intelligent. They're athletic. Um, it's our job to get them into becoming basketball players. And I think we're going to be able to do that. Yeah. So you mellowed cause you're, you're happy too. I yeah. Mean, abso- when absolutely. you're happy, it's tough to be upset. You know, before so. I was worried about the buses showing up for the golf team and the tennis team. And, and, and now I'm just worried about scoring and not scoring. So, right. Um, here we are, uh, 35 minutes in and we haven't said much about your team. So, so let's do that. Uh, okay. you, have, you have a terrific player, uh, uh Talia Jenkins. Uh, tell us about Talia. Um, Talia comes from a great family, um, very athletic family. Her dad played tight end at Michigan state. Her mom was a track and field star at Michigan state. Um, mom is currently a physical education teacher and she looks like she could still run the hundred yard dash. 
Um, you know, and, and Talia's been around sports her whole life. And even though the technology and the gaming systems um, have been available in her lifetime, her parents have made sure she's been on the playground. Um, you know, they, they go out as a family to Remsburg Park and play, and they go out to the, the Middletown Park and play. She's living her life like a young Chris Crevo. She's, she's, she's living her life um, like, like a kid of my generation that, that's yeah. outside playing all the time. And, and um, she's my most complete basketball player. Um, she, she's got a shot that, that, that's going in right now. She needs to get it up about three inches, and she will. Um, but she's a Division One. She's a Division One player, and, yeah, she's got and, and some will nice, be. She's tall. She has some nice size, and, and she's she big. could shoot. She could shoot the ball uh, from the outside. I mean, she, yep. she's capable of making threes, and she can get to the she can get to the rim at well. You know, one of the things that people don't understand. I think she's leading the county in scoring right now, which is is absolutely amazing to me. Um, there have been games where there have been three people guarding Talia. You know, there's never a time where she's not face guarded. Um, there's never a time where she's not double teamed. There's never a time where they don't collapse on her when she gets to the rack. Um, and she still is able to get, you know, points in. And even when we've struggled scoring, her scoring has still stayed, you know, about where it needs to be. Um, we just have to get everybody else a little bit more consistent. And, and we think we're getting there. Uh, another great athlete on your team, a good player, is uh, Kaylee Franklin, a daughter of your good friend uh, Mike Franklin, uh, coming off a fine football season, and she's just a good athlete. Yep, she was the quarterback of the state championship um, football team at Middletown, flag football team at Middletown. Um, she's got a scholarship to um, UNC Wilmington, I believe. Is that right? I, 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 th I think so, yeah. It's either Wilmington or Charlotte. She's going for track and field. She's actually going to be a deck athlete, I think. And the first year, she's going to throw the javelin. And um, she's actually a dual athlete. She's qualified for two state final races. Um, I hope you don't ask me which the two are. But I know she's qualified for two races in indoor track. Yeah. Um, and so Tuesday night, um, we were supposed to play Brunswick. And somehow our game got, got moved to Wednesday. And I'm so happy it did because we had Kaylee back. But um, I actually have two dual athletes, which is also new for me. And, and, and how do you manage their time with the team? Um, their primary sport is basketball, so, you know, I usually get them when I need them. Um, you know, that would have never happened at, at Urbana. Um, there's just too many kids that just want to play basketball. So, at least back, back in the day there were. I'm not sure how it is now, but back in the day that's how it was. And so, if you wanted to be a dual athlete, we would have just said, just go ahead and do you know, what, what else you, you want to do because basketball is clearly not as important to you as you need it to be. Um, here, um, I need her athleticism. I need her leadership, and she gives me both. Um, she gets after it. Who are, who are some of the other uh, players that make your team go? Um, you know, I think Kate Stevenson is an underrated player. Um, you know, she's another senior that, that um, she's only about 5'10", 5'11", but she plays like she's 6'2". She gets off her feet. Um, she gets off her feet. She rebounds really well. She always gets the toughest post assignment. She's, she plays really well. I have the Stamper twins, both seniors. Um, the funny thing about the Stamper twins, when they come out of the game, they always run to the, the scores table. And it wasn't until last night I realized that they were doing that, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, it's just that they're both lacrosse players, and that's what they do. They run, they run <laughs> force, the, force of habit. Force of habit. They run to the box. I said, you realize in basketball you can just come to the bench. You don't, you don't have to run to the score table. Um, you know, I've got a good set. Of, you know, Alexis Parker is about a 6'2 shooter right now. Um, you know, everybody knows she needs a little bit of time and space, but if you give her time and space, she will, she will absolutely nail it. Um, you know, she, against Boonesboro the first time, she had seven threes in the second half. 
Um, you know, she can fill it up. Um, Casey Phillips is a freshman who's played really, really well. And what a lot of people don't understand is Casey plays our five, Casey plays our one. You know, when Talia is in foul trouble or Talia needs a break, then Casey has to run the one because she's the next man up there. Um, but she also can play a post player if we need her to do that. She's about 5'11", and she's a freshman, and, and she's a pass-first kid. Um, you know, she, she needs to shoot more, and she will. Um, but, but you know, um, we've moved two freshmen up, Abby Wagle and, and um, Adria Jantz Van Rensburg. Um, both of them are coming along. Um, you know, we have a good junior class in, in Bree, um, Claire, and Celia Yost. They all do a really good job for us. So, you know, each and every one of them adds something to the team. Well, what, what sort of potential does this group have? You know what? Um, last night we clinched the CMC, the our division of it, the Piedmont. Um, we had a 5-1 and one record in there. And thank you. That goes out to Troy Boyard and the Walkersville Lions because they had a big win for us. They beat Williamsport, which made them 4-2. and two. Walkersville's not used to doing nice things for Middletown. No, they're so. not. But they but they did they did for us because by beating them, they made them 4-2. and two Because if we both would have finished 5-1, and one, they would have won that because of point differential. Um, we beat them by 4 on the road. They beat us by 8 at home. So they would have won that. So by losing to Walkersville, that was huge and, and, and allowed us to squeak in there. You know, I'm, to be honest with you, to say that I'm happy I'm playing Catoctin for a third time would not be completely the truth. <laughs> but I am happy that we're playing because we were going to have a long layoff before the playoff starts. Right. This, this so, so you get him at the end. You get him Friday, tomorrow, and, and then, then the 23rd in the, in the CMC game. Okay. In the CMC yeah. game. So, right. so that'll be that'll be a perfect playoff primer there. Correct. It, yeah. it will be because um you know win lose you know they're, they're a one A school that's got a really good shot. Um you know we feel like. Um, you know, I, like I told you, I'm blessed with my coaching staff, with Becky Larson and Dan Pryor, and we've talked a lot about this. Um, we have nothing but respect for our region, but we expect to win it. Um, you know, so once we get out of there, Hammond is really good. Um, but you know what? We don't have to beat Hammond ten times. we got to beat him once. <clears throat> right. And I believe that we have the type of team that we can beat anybody once, and that's what we're going to try to do. And, I mean, you have Walkersville in your region, but you're not going to play Frederick. You're not going to play Catoctin. You're not going to play Ligonor. You're not going to play Oakdale. So so you guys do have a path, uh, right. a, a viable path to get out of the region. And, so. and, you know, the only team that beat us that we're going to play is Williamsport, and we beat them. You know? Yeah. So, so, okay. Um, and, and, you know, those were two bad losses for us this year, and we need to overcome them. And if we're able to get, steal one from Katak, then that's a big win for us. And um, so we're hopeful. You know, you know um, we, we did not play well against Boonesboro the second time. We did not wait, wait, play well against Williamsport. And that's on me because that's my job to make sure we do play well. Um, but but we will play we will play well tomorrow night. Sounds like you're right where you are supposed to be in life, Chris. You know I'm 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 happy about where I am. Um, it 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 fills my time. My I gotta give a shout out to my wife Sherry, who's been nothing but supportive. She hasn't missed a single game. Um, she's always she's always there. Um, always gives me an earful when I come home. Who I didn't play. I should have played this kid. I played this kid too much. I didn't play this kid enough. And I love her dearly, and I'm very very grateful for. Her. Because it's tough to be the spouse of a coach or an athletic administrator because games are at night and and they're just such time consuming games with unfavorable especially schedules. especially yeah. if you have a spouse that's not supportive and 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 mine is and and um you know the crazy thing is when these ad's when i run into my old ad colleagues they ask me how you're doing 
And I tell them, I'm afraid to tell you because I currently make more money now than I did as an AD. And there that's you the, go. And that's the craziest mm-hmm. thing on the planet, you know, because I only work for 10 months now, um, not including my, my basketball, but I only work for 10 months. And not including my basketball salary, I'm, I make more money. And so um, I couldn't be happier, you know. Um, I'm, I'm usually home by 420 every day. Um, other than basketball days, and, and um, I have a very supportive wife, and I feel very lucky. Well, we appreciate you coming in, and we wish your team well going forward. Uh, looking forward to see how, uh, how the journey ends uh, this year. So I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me come in, and uh, go Knights. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, Chris Krivos, uh, the head coach of the Middletown High Girls basketball team. I appreciate him coming on. Uh, I've been looking forward to that conversation for some time now. And uh, my thanks also to producer uh, Graham Cullen, to my colleagues here at the FNP, Alexander Dacey and John Cannon. That'll do it for us this week here on The Final Score. Appreciate you checking us out, and we'll be back with an episode next week. Until then, take care, everyone.